Hello everybody and welcome to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast, the original Alien and Predator podcast. This is Aaron Percival aka Corporal Hicks and joining me are my fellow stranded colonial marines or stranded predators depending on which side of the uh, fence we want to sit on for this episode. Do I get the bandana? Well, do you really want the bandana given what happens to the guy? Well, that's debatable and we will have that debate. <laughs> or the predator. He's got one. So who are you? Who are you guys? I, I am Adam Zeller, a.k.a. Ridgetop, as you may know me if you're on our forums. Eric Adams, a.k.a. Xenomorphine. This is episode 176, and it is our final episode of 2023. Woo! Shit year for me. <laughs> in, in general. I gotta be honest, it's been a rough one for me, too. Eric, you been able to eat this year? Marginally, yes. I'm on a <laughs> diet of toast. Oh, man. Eric living in World War II Britain down there. Is it beans and toast? That's what that's what you guys like over there, right? Uh, diabetic? Can you can you not can you not have Heinz? I don't know. It's it's not my bit. Yeah, it's, I eat things. Yes. Okay. I hate I hate beans on toast. I'm a spaghetti spaghetti hoops kind of guy, which I assume is all strange to you, Adam. No, it's called spaghettios over here. I know exactly what you're talking about. But but on toast. Oh, on toast. Yeah, that's pretty weird. That is definitely a British idea. <laughs> <laughs> it might be an air on thing not a british thing i mean we have our strange ideas over here too but. well no everybody has, i mean beans on toast is very common over here subject of our broadcast indeed yeah breakfast <laughs> with it being the last episode of the year that means we're going to be talking about something very specific what do you think it's going to be avp my favorite we are talking something very specifically avp because as i say every year there is very little crossover content these days it tends to be alien or predator so to make sure we do actually get to talk some crossover the last episode of the year for the last what five six years yeah it's become a little tradition for us will be an avp story Uh, last year we ended the year starting the rage war and then continued it on through the start of the year rather than doing one book per year which i think was an idea but you know we decided to just crack on and do the entire series for this year, I gave the boys two choices. What we're talking about now, which is AVP Duel, or AVP Deadliest of the Species. We went for Duel. Yeah. I mean, I still have never read Deadliest of the Species, and you just told me before we started recording, Aaron, that you've only read it once. So it's something I really want to do. It's something we'll get to eventually. It might be, it might be next year. Yeah, that would be cool. But with how busy I've been, uh, a two-issue comic sounded nice. Yeah, compared to 10, 12 issues? you know, uh, Deadliest of the Species is. But that's a very infamous and wild, wild comic that will be um, interesting to talk about, should we say? But yeah, let, let's aim for that one next year. Before we do start talking Duel, though, with it being the last episode of the year, did just want to do maybe a, a year-in-review kind of section. We don't have to talk about everything that's come out, but we can talk about the notable ups and the notable downs of the releases that we've seen this year. So. What about you guys? Any any noticeable highs from the products that we've had this year? You know, it feels like Marvel is moving in the right direction. So that's been a highlight of the year for me. I've really enjoyed the newer issues they've been putting out compared to some of the, the first ones, especially on the alien side of things. So yeah, that's that's been good to see more of that. I'm looking forward to that next year. I'm really hoping for AVP Comics to finally start under Marvel next year. Uh, unfortunately, pretty bare bones year for Titan. I don't think we really got like how many books, Aaron? Like less than five, less than three, maybe. Right? We got Bishop, just barely. Did we have the anthologies this year? No, those were those were last year. So yeah, I think I think we've had. Well, I don't think Bishop is even general release yet. I think that's this month. Was Vasquez was last year, end of last year as well, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, slimmest year for Titan I can remember. Since they had the license, but they did just come out with that Where's Waldo book that I saw your review on. Yes, which uh, was actually surprisingly quirky and fun for what it is. Considering how I felt about Titan last year, I wasn't massively upset about there not being as much out this year. Enemy of My Enemy was this year, right? Was that fe- Yeah, that might have been February, March time, actually. Yeah. That was okay. I'm actually quite enjoying Bishop. I'm about 100 oh. pages into it, and I'm oh. surprised at how much I'm enjoying it. Oh, that's good. 
Eric, what about you? Has there been anything in particular this year that you've been enjoying? It's mostly just been anticipation for the TV show and film, really. Not anything... Nobody said Dark Descent. How have none of you said Dark Descent? Oh my god, you're ah, right. yes. That was a really good game, but I haven't really returned to it, and I should now that they've added a new game plus, but yeah. I started to, and they patched it, and I thought, no, oh, I've got to reload all from the beginning. Really? You should still be able to play where you left off, even with the patch. I, I don't like to risk it. It's often a corrupted thing, so I just start over. Eric Superstitions. Dark Descent has been a huge high for me this year. I really, 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 really fucking enjoyed that game. Um, I nearly finished a playthrough, a second playthrough on hard, whatever the next difficulty up is. Um, I'm on the last level. I literally got there yesterday. I did have a bit of a, a break between playing it again because of this year for me. Un- un- unfortunately, work is sucking a lot of the life out of me and-, and that affects me when I'm home. So I haven't really finished that all off. But, you know, that that week off when the game came out, I just had such a fucking blast with it really enjoyed you know talking to Tebow Claudel after the game came out you know that was a great interview and we had some good we had some dang good um, AVP extinction coverage as well uh, for the 20th 20th anniversary anniversary. yeah 2003 that's still probably my favorite interview we've done this year I mean they're all fun so (laughs) don't feel bad Brian or or Tebow but like that just chatting with all those guys about that game that was really core for us growing up it was a really fun podcast and it it felt like an opportunity for them to all reconnect as well so yeah and speaking of podcast specifically stuff you know i thought it was a real blast and a treat and a pleasure and an honor to talk to carl toop who was the principal aliens warrior performer on aliens you know as far as i'm aware that is his first podcast appearance his first podcast interview his first publicized interview about his time on aliens so it was an absolute treat to get to be the ones responsible for that and you solved the mystery in that about the, whether it was a publicity shot or was a film thing with him grabbing Pharaoh, so we know it was part of the film. I mean, I always thought that, but it's always been one of those things in fandom. Was it real or mm. live or Memorex? So, yeah. So, if you know, if you haven't listened to any of those things we've just mentioned, you know, go back and uh, have a listen to them. We always try and put our best into all these um, interviews and podcasts we do. Another big thing we got Prey on Blu ray. Although, to be fair, not the best in terms of features. I know, but still, just the fact that I can have that on a steelbook, on a shelf, in 4K, watch it in the best way possible. Commentary, yeah, they could have had a few more deleted scenes from what I'd heard. And, and of course, special features are a little bare bones. I'm hoping Oppenheimer's release will change that a bit. But it was still great. I mean, we didn't know if that was just going to be streaming exclusive forever. You know, so to, to get that was, was a relief. Even, even there, we know that Disney, for no apparent reason, has removed their um, the TV show project of Willow. They just did it without warning. So things can just disappear without warning. Mm-hmm. As of recording this podcast as well, you know, a big thing over the weekend was the removal of Discovery stuff from uh, Sony's platforms. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling that ownership and... Uh, Digital ownership is going to become a thing again over the um, over the next coming months. I imagine there's going to be some serious noise made about that soon. I think it'll be an increasingly important topic. I mean, even like you said, for media preservation, the entertainment industry is huge. And if someone worked on a project and then suddenly the only way of viewing that is gone, I mean, that just really sucks. Now, streaming does have serious conveniences. And so I do think it will still be dominant. But I really hope that some companies see things in, in the long run and that maybe it becomes more of a collector geared market, right? Similar to how vinyl has had kind of a resurgence. Yeah, I do think that'll be an interesting topic going into next year. I think it'll also be a really big year for us next year with everything that's coming. New Alien movie, the first we've had in more than five years, I guess. Longer. 2017? Yeah. First one we haven't had from Ridley Scott in a long, long time. So <laughs> it's it's an exciting time. Alien series will start filming again. We're also hyped about that. Sounds like there's some, some wacky ideas going on there. So be curious to see how those uh, come to life. But yeah, I think also, you know, I always focus on the anniversaries, but 45th anniversary of Alien, I think it would be silly of them not to capitalize on that. So I think it'll be a big year for Alien. And I'm I'm still curious about Predator. Prey was super successful. What's going on there? 
I have no doubt they are working on something. There has been teasers, shall we say, and, and comments. And I have no doubt that something's happening. Just don't click on anything from somebody like Small Screen or uh, who's that other bullshit website? We got this covered. Giant freaking robot. Giant freaking robot. Yeah, just don't 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 click on anything from them. There's so many. Because I think Small Screen has been claiming that they're developing a World War Two one at the minute. Yeah, like wind talkers and stuff. I mean, they might be. They might be a. a, a stopped clock is right twice a day but we'll see i am looking forward to next year uh, very much looking forward to romulus uh, i have a lot of faith in fede alvarez more apprehensive about the tv show but i'm very much looking forward to uh, romulus also games i mean servios is still as far as we know working on something we found out that a new project is coming from cold iron studios which we're keeping our eye on i forgot about that yeah so games games be coming Right, shall we crack on and talk Duel? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so uh, we're talking AVP Duel, which is, of course, the probably best known as the debut of the Predalien. I mean, I mean, I guess that's its most notable aspect, isn't it? You know, seen right behind Eric on his uh, fancy pants new webcam thingy machine. My AI-generated background, yes. NVIDIA's new fancy webcam thingy machine. Which is covers by Chris Warner. Uh, those... Cover. It's a two-issue run, and both covers are stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. They make a very nice, cohesive sort of wraparound piece. I would say, yeah, those are some of the more well-known and iconic comic covers for the, the early days of AVP, for sure. Well, you say early days, you know, this actually came out in... 1995. March, March and April of 1995. It is, I think, the... It's hard to classify because a lot of the, the later shorts sort of got merged into other series. So I think it's technically the third or fourth AVP story that wasn't melded into a, you know, either into the, the first run or into AVP War, you know, into the second, technically the third run. I think Deadliest of Species is actually the second. But yeah, so it's like the... Well, wait, wait, wasn't the theory of alien propagation, that was one where it was removed from book one, wasn't it? And made its own little thing, even though originally it was part of book one, that one, where it was just set on the alien world? No, I think that came out as a separate thing and then was put in book one. Oh, so that was even earlier then. Okay. I thought it was originally, yeah. But I'm, I'm talking specifically AVP stories here. You know, we had the original AVP in 1990. And then Randy Stradley writes like an epilogue to AVP that gets sucked into the various trades. He writes a prologue called AVP2, which gets sucked into the first part of AVP War. And then we had Blood Time, I think it was, which is kind of like a prequel to this. Because the main predator in this one, Lightstepper, is prominent. Yes. Blood Time introduces uh, Lightstepper. We get to see the injury that is very prominent on him in, in Duel. So I think, yeah, I think this one's actually perhaps Randy Stradley's third AVP series. And I really freaking like this comic. I always have, as far as I can remember. I have some of the same sort of colour problems that I do with a lot of the comics from the early 90s. In that it's not my favourite visually because of the colouring work. But narratively speaking, I, I really, really find this comic satisfying. Randy Stradley does a fantastic job of weaving a cohesive narrative across all of his all of his AVP stories. There is a lot of threads that make it genuinely feel like a cohesive, bigger tapestry. Even simple things in this, like the, the Briar Wolf. You know, it's a very small moment in this, but it ties into also a very small moment from the original run. It's just a mention. You know, they only mention the name like Briarwolf once or twice in, in the original AVP. You get to see it in the artwork, but you don't necessarily know that's what it is until until you see it said point blank in, in Duel. And like we mentioned, Lightstepper. You know, he was introduced in a short before this and then shows up here, then goes on to show up again in, in War. So there's lots of little moments that tie it together that Randy Stradley is very, very, very good at. And I think he does a lot to make this comic quite satisfying. I quite enjoyed this comic. I don't think I had read it for a long time. You were asking me how I read it earlier, Aaron, and I read it with the old Dark Horse Omnibus here, Volume 1. Same, same over here, yeah. I grabbed the essentials off the bookshelf. I was like, oh, I wonder if it was collected in there as well. Hey, what's not? Can you get it right now? 
What do you mean? As in, is it available on the digital stuff? Like, is it is it available? Has Disney re-released it under Marvel? I believe so. I mean, I'll have a look while you're talking. Okay. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this as, as well. It felt like one of those earlier AVP comics that tied right into the original. I thought the Marine unit was, was pretty cool and interesting. And the vibe there even kind of felt like Predator a lot. There was a lot of good POV shots from the Predators. Kind of turned things on its head with them finding a Predator derelict ship, I guess, instead of an alien one. And it kind of shows they were expecting to find an alien one. So as far as a short two-issue run, there was a lot here that it, that it had going for it. The design of the Predator alien was awesome. The action was great. And I just love the ending so much. And we'll get to that. But overall, yeah, I, I loved it. And revisiting it was really cool. How about you, Eric? Eat the outlier again. I didn't dislike it. Didn't really like it. It felt more like like the, the magic of the original AVP, the first comic, is that it's got this wonderfully cinematic tone. It's structured like a film. This one felt a bit more like a generic kind of G.I. Joe thing. It didn't feel like you could make a trait straight adaptation of this into a film. It's a very short story. None of the killings are very inventive, and it's just a very A to B gauntlet run. Didn't find any of the characters really memorable. They were more like muscle-bound caricatures as opposed to the aliens template of like relatable normal people in proportion. These looked more like Dutchie's team out of Predator. But they weren't really like distinguishable as characters. It all felt very much like red shirts. Yeah, it's a small adventure. There is a pred alien in it, but it doesn't really do anything a normal alien wouldn't. It grows weirdly quick. It grows literally under a truck as they're trundling along. Yeah, it's, it's a generic story. There's nothing wrong with it, but I wasn't wowed by it. But it was a mid-90s two-issue thing, so I mean, it's very much of that 90s comic era, if that makes sense. Eric, always the outlier. Where's the enthusiasm, man? This is where we get the friction in our debates. True, at least he didn't hate it. I don't think I could have stomached you disliking this one completely. No, I don't dislike it. It works, but it, it's like it, it's nothing special. The cover art behind me is actually the best thing about this. I love that comic art. No, disagree there. The interior art, it's like it goes along. Um, there's an, an interesting sort of truck design they have, which again is very G.I. Joe like. The ATV. It's sort of APC ish. But um, like the rear of it, it's clearly like a, a World War II truck kind of design when the, the tarpaulin is over the top of it. But there's no way for the Marines to actually get inside it, <laughs> which I thought was a design flaw. You know, it kind of reminded me of the Prometheus rover a little bit. Like it seemed like a military Prometheus rover, the wheels especially. In outline, I can see that, yes. Very wide. In, in terms of credit for artwork, then um, Javier Saltares did the line work for this who would later go on to do the 2009-2010 Predator relaunch. He did the artwork for the short story that was in the Free Comic Book Day prologue, and he did the artwork on the main run, Pray to the Heavens. And the colour work on this one was done by Jim Sinclair, who also did Aliens Cargo, which is Cargo the one? That is a favourite story of mine. Cargo's not the one with the pig, is it? No, that's just pig. Yeah. The one with the pig is just called pig. Is Cargo the one with... I don't remember what Cargo is. It's the one where it's it's a single guy. He's on like a, a literally like a, a water-based ship, and he's left facing an alien, and he has to somehow outwit it. And it's... I like... I really like... I don't remember Cargo at all. I'm going to have to revisit that after we're done here. You should here. do a review of it. Yeah. It's a good comic. I like that. I don't remember that either. Because everything on the ship is powered down. There's no weapons, nothing. So he has to be really inventive. Yeah, I'm going to read that after this. Aliens Alien, of course, is one we were struggling to remember. <laughs> which one was which in an earlier episode? Uh, that's the one with the tribal alien. And Sinclair also did Predator Strange Rue. I think that's how you pronounce that, isn't it? The, uh, the one with the Predator Gumbo. And Justice League of America versus Predator. And he would also go on to Colour War which was the next major series uh, after Deadliest of Species. I've already sort of said I wasn't that keen on the, the colouring in, in this and also not terribly keen on the colouring in war, to be honest. I enjoyed the prologue. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they were so stupid with the names. It, it, was named, it was named Aliens versus Predator 2, I think. But then it, it became 
the prologue or part one of, of AVP War. And I can't see who that was coloured by, actually. But I like that substantially more than the bulk of AVP War's colouring. I think the colouring works. It just feels pretty dated for both War and for this. So it makes me hope, I'll always hope, for that the colouring was redone for the first issue of the original AVP for the collector's edition of AVP, the, the game, 2010. Like, there's an idea for you, Marvel, if anyone's listening. like Just get Wes Dioza, yeah. or however you pronounce it, to recolor it. Recolor the, the older ones, yeah. It, it is a shame, because there are, I think, quite a few iconic pages and panels in this, you know, in Duel, that is, is ruined by, I think, the more boring colours. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. When you say boring colours, what do you mean? Well, I like, like this one, with, where the background's just lines, just a flat colour with lines, and I, I find that very dull, and I think that's... Well, that's more uh, to do with the penciling, isn't it? Because it's not, you're not drawn anything to put in the Well, I suppose in some regards, yes. You can still just do a lot with, with colour. I think we just need to do an, an article on our site like comparing the original AVP colour to that remaster of that issue zero, and having it be like an appeal, like, look what can be done here, everyone. I think that's a problem I have with some comics is very dull backgrounds, you know, when it is just a flat color. You know, I find that so disinteresting. And I think it's, um, I think it's, it's very much a 90s thing, you know, like Adam or, or you know, Eric, you were saying. And that's my main criticism because I do think there are a lot of gorgeous iconic panels in, you know, in Duel, you know, the Predalien in particular. Yes, I don't think it does anything massively different. Which is, you know, it's fine. I'd rather it, do it it just look imposing and cool than buff can eggs down people's throats. But you know, there are some great profile shots and some great splash pages of it in of it in here. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we just jump straight into the Predalien? Shall we jump straight into this? Well, just just before we do, just to dovetail from what you just said, there are some things that I can tell were scripted, probably. But Stradley, I think, is the writer, isn't it? Um, he's clearly scripted them for like money shots, but in the actual execution, they they're not quite there. There's this scene when all the aliens appear. Like, yes, there's little. I think there's a panel of them sort of coming out of sand, which I think would be really cool to see as a visual on the film. You'd see like it's that scene with Newt when it's coming out the water and the water's dripping off it. It's such a beautiful potential for a visual with an alien coming out of sand. But here, it's very sort of almost blink and you miss it. So I think there are there are a lot of money shots that by different artists or something, they would have been handled differently. But um, here, there's the potential for what was written. It's not quite there. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's some things in here that are really strong conceptually that could have been shown in a bit more detail. Like the last fight where the Marine Glass, right? He's the captain, yeah. Yeah. He and the Predator take out the Predalien. I was a little confused as to what was going on in like one or two panels. There's one scene where there's the Predalien and the Predator, and the, the Predator is like there's a distance between them, and there's this like thwick or something, and it, it's clearly something's happened, but there's distance between them, and he's not like got a projectile weapon or anything, and I, I, I kept looking back to that panel and next one go what's happened that was the exact one i got confused by yeah so i don't know if that was something it was differently written and it just was misinterpreted or the the art is undoubtedly the weakness of this comic which is a shame you know eric the bit you mentioned with the aliens coming out of the sand is a visual i've always loved you know it's not one we see very often i think three world war used the concept when the Marines were attacking the killer predators and there was this really cool night sequence of them like doing halo jumps from the dropships and you had aliens coming out of the sand there. I think it works better in that one, but I think the artwork works better in that for the action stuff anyway. It is very easy to miss some of the details in this one, especially leading up to that bit of like the bag tubes sort of sticking out the sand to show that they're there. But I still stand by there being some very iconic panels and moments in in this run, regardless of the actual um, artistic quality of the interior artwork, shall we say. I gotta say, I particularly love the panel that just shows the Predalien head when it's hanging onto the underside of the truck as they're they're getting away. The the chest burster. Yeah. Yeah. Now I I like that one as well. And of course the moment of Light stepper with the pred alien and glass in the middle, you know. I think that one's a very notable notable one as well. But yeah, five 
when was it when was alien 3 um 92 wasn't it 91 92 92 so three years it took them to finally flex that dna reflex and do a pred alien and i really like it i like the lead up to it because again you know this this is a debut of the creature and the characters so it's i think adam sort of uh, mentioned it earlier you know duel is about a bunch of marines that detect a distress signal in quotation marks from Ryushi, which is, of course, the planet that AVP takes place on. And the initial sort of so I think Stradley does a brilliant job at this. The initial sort of lead up to it makes you think it's going to be a derelict ship, but then it's revealed to be the Predator ship. And there's a nice wireframe derelict yes. shot in this as well. It's, it's very brief, but I really like that shot. Mm-hmm. According to this comic, everybody knows about the, um, the derelict and um, the Nostromo's incident. Which I don't think I don't think a lot of the comics tend to go down that route, but it was an interesting uh, setup in this. And yeah, that reveal, that reveal of the Predator ship stuck out of the ground. I thought was yeah, okay, this is cool. Stradley did a fantastic job leading up to this. I think it looked a little too clean. It, it should have showed some damage on it or something. It looked like it had just sort of like the rock had grown around it. Oh, blame Sinclair, blame Sol Torres for that one. But yeah, they come across an unconscious Predator on the ship and everybody's like why is this dude here let's take him back let's take him back they come across the skeleton first yeah they come across the dead one and then they then they come across the conscious one and of course they, 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 it's a really nice line where they say these things look worse with their skin on which is nice <laughs> yeah one. eric did you read this back in the day i don't think i did if i did i forgot about it this is post alien 3 thinking writing mm-hmm. i would love to know if people expected this Back in the day, you know, when, when there is this, the, the Predalien, you know, I, I realise Chris Warner's got it there on the cover of, I believe, issue two. That's issue two, yeah. Yeah, so, so I, I would be very curious to know if, if fans back in the day were picking, would pick up issue one and, you know, they come across this unconscious predator on the ship. And I would love to know if they're going, he's infected. You know, there's a, there's a Predator. I think it would have been a given. From what I remember, ever since the first AVP was released, I remember there being that, like, letters page sort of thing about, we want a Predalien, we want one to it come might, It might not be a debut. When did the Predalien issue of, of Deadliest Species come out? There was a very different Predalien in Deadliest of Species. This was publishing concurrently with that run, and I can't remember what month that issue would have been i do do remember there being this thing from the fandom about what would one look like if it came out of a predator because you know it wasn't long after alien 3 but the felt like on news groups and things that's what we had back then and i think the alien one still exists there was people going well what would happen if it came out of a predator and seeing them in the comics that was a result of the fandom clamoring for well that's the next logical step that would be the cross of both things so i think as soon as you see anything that's unconscious in a ship hmm is it unconscious <laughs> you're, you're gonna go we know we, we've seen aliens what do you think of the design though guys i really like the design i mean it's it, the design is consistent upon like with the covers to the in- interior of the comic and yeah it, it looks great it kind of it reminds me a bit about the avp 2010 design maybe halfway from that to avp 2's design because it does have a shorter head a little bit it's exoskeletal more than the um requiem fleshy look yeah i love how spiky it is i think it looks great and it's nice how they got this shadow there making it look evil I think it looks a lot more like Dorman's incarnation than um, 2010s. You know, I can kind of see it in the profile, that front-on-profile shadow shot that Chris Warner did for the cover. But in the comic itself, I do think it looks a lot more like Dave Dorman's concept for uh, whoever it ended up being. We never knew. We never knew which incarnation of the AVP movie that was for, though I suspect it was for Roland Emmerich. But yeah, I, I think it looks a lot more like Dormans and I like that because I think it has a bit more of a sleeker, even including the dreadlocks, a bit more of a sleeker, angular profile and body shape. And I think that works a lot more when people are forced to use the dreadlocks. There is a shot, I was just scrolling through it, 
I think it's the first time you see the Predalien attack a marine, and it is in profile, and it does have that underbite, and you have the tail right through it. It looks just like that bit of concept art. So I don't know if they use that bit as concept art, and the, the artist has literally gone, okay, let's use this as a basis. Although the legs are, and the limbs are a little chunkier in the actual interior of the comic. But if you go to the first marine attack by the Predalien, it, it's that profile shot that's, it looks a lot like concept art. It's just before they blow the landmines. So after he's plunked the flag down. Yeah, when, when he um, slits somebody's neck with his tail. Yeah, with the tail. Now look at that bit and it looks a lot like that. Concept Con- art. Yes, it does. It does. Yes. It's, the, it's the same sort of profile where. It, it's that underbitey, yeah. Well, I, th- I find it more to be the dreadlocks yeah. being spikes and following the flow of the shape of the head. That is why I like Dorman's depiction and, and this depiction a lot more than like Chet. I can't stand the dreadlocks. E- even uh, Chris Warner's cover there, I don't like it breaking the flow of the profile. Mm. So that's why I always like the dreadlocks being this swept back spiky kind of thing. But yeah, I I think it looks good. And the in- inclusion of the mandibles as well. I think those are acceptable um, traits for them to take over. Yeah, they're not as underbite as in the old concept art. Like they, these are more in proportion like you'd expect to see on a something from a predator. Yeah. Well, if you look like to, to my other side, the with the normal that side with the normal alien, the, the normal aliens look decent as well. Yeah. I don't think they're as good as as the artists for the original AVP comic, but they're quite decent. Nothing wrong with them. It's just when they're in close-ups, there's this weird sort of Sam Keith chunkiness to them yeah i suppose i suppose there is a little you know what i mean in some of the close-up shots there's some of the even when one's leaping to the camera well actually maybe not sam keith who um who illustrated harvest i think that's more like the chunkier muscly kind of profile that this is rather than sam keith was it the, the one with the religious guy magnolia hellboy guy he he did that one chunky I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, they look o- they look okay. But like like we've said, you know, the artwork is, I think, the weakness of this run. Even if there are good conceptual moments in it, and there are still some nice, genuinely nice panels and genuinely nice pieces of artwork. And what we see here with this Predator cocooned, unfortunately, you don't see that in the actual comic. It's a really nice visual with the Predator cocooned there. Yeah with all the resin, but you don't see it in the actual thing. He's, he's out. There is no hive imagery at all in this one. Yeah, the, the Predators, it's implied they did a, an SOS signal, but the computer somehow interpreted it for what it was. And they take a, an offence to the Marines taking this cadaver. But you're left with the question, well, what, if it was offending them, why didn't they just kill it themselves before the Marines turned up? So there's a little bit of... There is the bit where it shows like things can get in. Well, they t- they talk about like things can get into the ship, but the aliens are lying in wait for when anything comes out of the ship. So maybe the predators saw that and they knew that the aliens were kind of down there waiting for them. Maybe the the idea of predators being offended by pred aliens, I think, is is an interesting angle as well because I'm sure is that not 2010's take on it? Yeah, they call it like the abomination. Yeah. I, I think that's cool. But that, wait, didn't Steve Perry make a big deal of that in his books? I can't, I can't remember. Because, because be with his whole, you know, hard meat and it's a sacrilegious thing. But it's, it's, it's a cool thought. But then again, also it being a thought of we don't want to let the Pred Alien get out and run, run Rampage it makes sense as well. But just, just it being one of those, I like those little offhand comments that can make you think and, and make you spin out these kind of theories. So that that was a that was a moment that I I appreciated. What I like about that is that there is an unreliable narrator block device in it because it's just that character's personal theory. He's speculating. He's not saying this is what's happening. He's just saying maybe it's against their religion. He's just tossing it out there, which is nice. Yeah, and th- those do make for the more interesting, I think, narrators. You know, because yes, the the idea makes sense. Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. You know, late, like we said, later pieces of law, 2010, obviously, do us something a little bit more definitive with that concept, with that idea. But it opens up discussions, it opens up fan theories, and it makes sense within the context of what's going off. And so it's interesting. You know, I, I like that kind of thing. I loved the big ass Predator cannon. Yeah. The anti-air. The shoulder mounted. 
Uh, well, I didn't get the moment before that. Why did the Marine like unplug something so they couldn't contact the dropship? It was it was an accident. He tripped. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a little confusing as well. So there's two points here where Marines trip over. I was like, is he trying to sabotage this or what's going on? But no, because he's he'd said the commander had said just just leave the ship. We get we're going, and then the guy tripped up over it because it wasn't it wasn't all packed away. Yeah, I didn't get it. Was just a trip, but. Yeah, just that big-ass shoulder-mounted Predator gun. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, we need to see that on screen sometime or in a game. See, this is what I meant. I, this is a part where it gets a little bit G.I. Joe-ish. But it totally makes sense for them to have some high-duty... They, they could have taken out that ship with their normal shoulder cannons. They didn't need a massive... It wasn't a dropship, though. The, the, this was a, a smaller, but larger-sized sort of scout ship. It wasn't a dropship. I think they could still could have done. Like it, it didn't feel like they needed that. It felt very GI Joe. I mean, predators seem like they would appreciate overkill. Oh yeah, for sure. Maybe yeah. But I think this is the only time anything of that scale has ever shown up. I can't recall any other shoulder-mounted anti-air or anti-spaceship <laughs> artillery. For me. It went against the Predator philosophy, at least we've seen it up to them, where they like to be agile, they like to be hands-free. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, they're carrying this great big car-sized thing around with them all the time. I'd have liked to see them do something different. Like, we saw them in the previous AVP thing. They had, like, a robotic drone that they used to see the eggs on planets. It would be nice if it was, like, some kind of vehicle or stuff that they're not weighed down by firing, like a big camper van on their shoulder. I like to imagine they got it from the ship after all the aliens had been, um, you know, because they got stuck in with the aliens. Oh, like salvaged, yeah. Also, this duel came out after part one of war came out. So part one of war, you know, made a significant deal about it being, this is not a hunt. This is something different. You know, there are no rules of honor and code and all that kind of bullshit going off here. So, you know, when that came out, it showed us this different aspect of the Predators. You know, there isn't always about the hunt. Yeah, I think this bazooka thing is as close as we've ever got to the Kenner action figure stuff, that aesthetic being in the comics. It's totally what you would have expected to see included with Kenner figures. It would have fitted them perfectly, everything about that. It's like a mortar. Maybe something a little more scaled down, but just just the no, concept. No, no, was all about that kind of. No, thing. I mean, as as if something serious, as something genuinely to revisit. You know, maybe scale it down a little bit, but like the design language and the intent of it, I think, is brilliant. Them revisiting Ryushi. You know, I I made I made a thing about really liking the continuity that Stradley put throughout his AVP stories. How did you guys feel about them going back, you know, coming across Machiko's empty cabin? That's what I liked about we got to see Machiko's homestead thing. And I don't know because I haven't checked, but it looked like a pretty much match. Yeah, it did. Design. The only thing that I was questioning, and I honestly don't remember if this was answered in a previous story, is that I remember there being the queen's head on the outside of it, and they, it wasn't there. Well, she took it with her, didn't she? She takes it with her because it's in her right. quarters on Top Knot's ship. That was the only thing. But aside from that, I liked seeing Chico's little home. We didn't see her rhino. Um, what were they called? Rinth. But she had one with a saddle, and she said, go Oh no! Wasn't that that got attacked by facehuggers? Didn't it? Yeah. No, no. She she let it loose at the end of AVP. I thought that was the one that got chest bursted. No, no. She has a rinse. She ends AVP with a rinse. But then when Top Knot shows up and she intends to go and join them, she she does the old yellow thing of taking its um, all its bits off and slapping it on the arse, telling it to go. Yeah, because the, there is a rinse that gets chest bursted. I assumed it was that one because they aren't native to the planet, so I assumed it was hers. I don't think that's what happened to Old Yellow, Aaron. Well, it, it isn't, <laughs> is, is it not? Is it not Old Yellow where he's like, "Go on, get"? Old Yeller was taken behind the shed. <laughs> what am I thinking of? Where where he's like, go get go. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I get what you mean. Every every Hollywood film ever. Yeah. No, this is going this is going to piss me off. This continue. I, I assume that was that one, but yeah, we didn't see that at the homestead. But it was nice to see Machiko's old. I'm I'm more interested in what the fuck happened to that Labrador. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, it was still at the house, right? It didn't get away with the kids, so. Well, no, she has it at the end of AVP. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she does have that there, too. I mean, that thing wouldn't survive on the planet, so hopefully she told somebody to pick him up. Well, it, it was it was with yeah, it was with her. Maybe evolved. Maybe that's what the Briar Wolf. Is. It was with her when Top Knot showed up. Oh, okay. At least at the start of the comic. Maybe they're like, okay, but that's for dinner. The one where she's sort of like crouching with a, a knife in her hand. I think it's. Well, no, no, like at the start of that epilogue. You know, that's it's um, at the start for sure. Yeah, it's at the start of the epilogue where you see her outside of the homestead with the ring and the dog. Maybe it's like the, the canine version of Jones, and it's it's still alive somehow. And it's outlived everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I th- I thought Rishi Ryushi, however you say it, was a great setting to to come back to and to see like, oh, Machiko did leave, which kind of sets up war, you know, because that hadn't come out yet at this point. It's acknowledging her. It's making a point. She's gone. That's the purpose of it. But the planet has always had a really cool look about it. I just love the desert biome for the series. It's something we haven't really seen on screen with AVP or, or Predator. And so whenever I see it in the expanded universe, like in the comics, like Sandtrap or like here, I just think it's a really cool setting that I would like to see on, on screen someday. But yeah, it the planet is, it's got that old, old West kind of rancher feel to it. And it was cool to come back to it. I like how they had talked about it a little bit, like, oh, they had attempted to settle it, but something happened, something, you know? But yeah, it's a great setting, I think. There's one thing missing from it, because I assumed the moment you see on a, a screen and you see Prosperity Wells, because that's the old colony, and they talk about it, and they say, well, we don't know what happened, but it's, you know, you need, they're using it as a defensive position. I thought, oh, that's interesting, because the aliens were nesting there. What if they get to it and we see some scenes of them, you know, when they, the inevitable happens, because you know it's going to happen. What if we see, they say, oh, we'd like to have it to our backs. Nothing can get to us. We, they have to come to it from front. What if you start to see some aliens slithering through the wreckage, outflanking them? And I thought that's a great setup. And it never happens. You don't, nothing comes through the wreckage. It's just it's like just the pred alien that's stowed away. You just see the wreckage of Prosperity Wells and that's it. It kind of flying the face of the sacrifice of um, Scott Conover and Tom What's-His-Face. Yeah, but we already know there are aliens there, so it makes at least sense for them to go there. The aliens have come from, I suppose, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it would have been nice for them to have used that because they said, oh, this is going to be a safe location. Okay, so it's red flagging. That's going to be a perfect thing to set up some outflanking things. And it doesn't it's already work. a red flag anyway, because the alien was there with them all along. I mean, you've already got your misdirect there anyway. It, it just would have been nice. I would have liked it. And it just felt like... They could have gone like Colonial Marines, where it's like, well, the nuclear explosion didn't damage it that much. I mean, to be fair, it looks good to say it had a spaceship crash on it. Uh, I, would, I would have expected more of a crater, but no, I did think it was a nice visual. And White Fang is the film I'm thinking of, by the way. We don't know. There might have been sub-levels and stuff like that, so they, they could have used it. And at this point, they didn't. Just a big old wreck. So, character-wise, I do agree in that there wasn't... Nobody really stands out in it apart from the captain, you know, the survivor, Captain Glass, who, to be fair, I think is a bit of a prick, is a bit of a prick for the first chunk of the comic. I mean, yeah, well, during the briefing bits, maybe, but after that, he, it was weird because he seemed more chill but during the briefing bits yeah thinking back on it but then again a lot of like a lot of the things that go wrong are his are because of him like he and he kind of admits that with his inner monologue too it's like mistake bad decision yeah you're right i mean most of the marines just start getting killed off one after the other and we don't have much characterization beyond him he's the focus but i still really enjoyed the banter between the human characters thought that was well done who's lesser I thought Lesser was originally in command, and then it goes to Glass, because he takes over. No, Glass is the captain. I think Lesser was the sergeant. Although, to be fair, a captain in charge of such a small squad, I think, was um, maybe one of those comic-y kind of aspects of it. Probably should have been a lieutenant or something. But the end. Should, should, we, should we talk about that end? Yes. Go on, Adam. It sounded like you had something you really wanted to get into. The ending really reminded me of John Carpenter's The Thing, since I have seen that again recently in theaters. But it's the whole like, man, we just been through hell. Let's just sit down and see what happens, you know. So I really liked that vibe. And yeah, this these two had fought 
they had each killed each other's people, but it took both of them to defeat this Predalien. And at that moment, they're like, well, we're not in a state to fight each other. So we'll just see whose people show up first, you know. And then later in war, one of the catalysts for Machiko kind of eventually turning against the Predator clan she's with is seeing this captain's bandana on the wrist of, of Lightstepper. And when she questions it, he, he whacks her away. So there's some fan interpretation. It's like, well, Predator's people showed up and he killed him. But I don't know. You know me. I like the team ups. Like, I like to think maybe he saw that the Predator's bandage could use a new one. So he bandaged it up while they were waiting and then they let him go. That's my headcanon about it. I mean, it's not outside the realms of possibility that, yes, it was a gift from Glass to uh, Lightstepper. Come here, little buddy. Let me do it up. <laughs> I kind of feel like that team up felt natural in this, you know, again, despite the each other fucking each other over enough throughout the comic, you know, like Adam said, Glass in his narration makes a point of talking about decisions and mistakes and correct choices and stuff like that. And as it sort of led up to the final battle with the Pred Alien in this one, Glass is going, I don't know why I made this choice, but it was, you know, it was the right choice at the end of it. And I liked I liked all the lead up to that because the questioning of choices and, and the importance of choices leading up to him deciding at this moment that, yes, I'm going to assist the Predator. Not that he, he really does much. What does he do? He sort of like puts the alien with the back of his rifle. Yeah. This was the confusing part. He does. I mean, the Predalien has Lightstepper pinned and he hits it with his rifle, which distracts the Predalien so they can both attack it. But yeah, you actually do see him charge the Predalien with a knife. So he stabs it from the front and then Lightstepper stabs it from behind. And it seemed like Lightstepper had also sliced his neck. If I remember rightly, the alien blood at no point is acidic throughout any of this story. Shh, we don't talk about that. The the acid blood is only as good as the narrative needs it to be. But I just love that visual the ending with the stars in the sky and they're just, just sat sitting there. and waiting. Yeah, like, oh, perfect. That's a great ending. It was. It really was. Like if they were to do, I know I keep like do this, guys, do this, but. If they were to do an ADP animated anthology series, this would be a great story for it. Like, this story has staying power, I thought. So it, it would be nice to see it retold. It was also nice to have a comic story where the Marines just aren't just being, you know, thuggish Marines. Like, a predator intervenes and one of them's about to kill it. And the other guy said, no, no, hold on. And they understand you've got to be diplomatic at this point. Although at that point, the predator goes and kills them anyway, instead of just signaling for the cadaver of its fallen comrade, which doesn't quite... Yeah, th there's a moment where, where the predator's approaching them. They're like, be cool. Hey, we heard your distress signal. We're here to help you out. And the predator just stabs the Marine in front of him. But they do make a point of that later. They're like, were they just trying to stop us from taking their infected comrade away? So you'd think it would just be able to like point at that and use hand signals like you do in the film. Um, but it just it just decides, no, you're going to pay for this with your lives too. And then but at the end, they're doing the sort of enemy mind thing right at the end. So it's a bit of a passive aggressive predator. <laughs> But yeah, it was it was interesting to see because it's like you always see Wayland Yutani executive just go, yeah, them. And it's, you you had that nice turnaround in what we mentioned earlier, the, the recent game, Dark Descent, where it's a Wayland Yutani executive, but it, she's just a person. She's not Burke. And it was refreshing. And here it was refreshing to see people not just going, there's a target, I'm going to shoot. The one thing I didn't like was that every five minutes, no, every minute, they were constantly talking about bugs, 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 bugs. I mean, I've mentioned it before. I don't like that thing in fandom where they assume bug hunt meant the alien. It means something else. It's a real military term. But here, they're only just meant to have found out about the alien. And yet, they're, all the time, they're just calling them bugs, 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 bugs. And it got a bit, it's young, but I have a name. Honestly, I kind of liked how that was handled because they do bring up like they had heard what happened on Akron and eventually Wayland Yutani, like what they knew had to go public. And so this would be dramatic information to become known among humans. And so it was interesting to see how some Marines would get panicked and not follow orders because agree. of the bugs and the bugs could have like taken on a new meaning because yes, before Akron, the bug hunt meant just like wiping out non-threatening indigenous life or, or whatever. But 
I mean, that is so tied to Alien that you could kind of see it becoming connected more towards the Xenomorphs, I guess, after that. Within this comic, that's weird. It's a weird context which doesn't doesn't apply. I mean, firstly, the real term means going around a civilian settlement asking for information on an enemy VIP like Saddam Hussein. That's how they got him. But at the start of it, they say, oh, there's a signal. There's an SOS, so it's clearly technology, and they say, oh, it's we, it's XTs, which is a nice callback to what they used in the first AVP comic. And they said, oh, that means bugs. So if they're t- using bugs for the alien, they know they u- don't use technology. So they're saying, oh, that means bugs. It's a signal. So it's a weird kind of thing. They're calling bugs, bugs, bugs. It's, it's like savages coming towards us, and yet bugs also means any alien. It's, it's a weird thing. I just would have liked them to use some variation in language. It's just that they kept on using the same thing. I mean, even in Alien 3, there's like the moment where it's like, I hate bugs with the xenomorph. So like they've become connected after that. They didn't know about the alien. That's true. It's it's part it's an unfortunately part of the lexicon of fandom and it and it has been obviously since the nineties, especially at this point. And this is this was kind of at that time where it started to get going. Was this ever released in paperback, this two issue, or was it only collected in the omnibus? No, it got its own I think it got its own collection. Let's have a quick look on uh, Xenopedia. See what they say there. Aliens vs Predator Duel was first collected with other stories in tra- the trade paperback release of War in May of 1996. The story was collected again as part of the Omnibus, which Adam and I read, and would have been a part of Essentials Volume 2. Essentials Volume 2 had it come out. I didn't know it came out in the War paperback. I don't think I had that. No, I, I don't have the old one. A lot, to be fair, I got rid of a lot of my old, old, old comics a long time ago, unfortunately, and it's one of those things I regret and hate. On that same section, just below where it says reprint history, where it says trivia, it mentions the Dalmatian, and it was, it was its name is apparently called Crete. Okay, I had no idea about. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that in there. It says, nor is it present on the Yelcha ship, leaving its fate unclear. It's just wandering around. What were those films where it was like the cat, the dog? Oh, Homeward Bound. Home, Homeward Bound? Homeward yeah. Bound. I watched those when I was a kid, yeah. It's just that on Ryushi with the, the Rinth and the dog. Maybe. All of Machiko's adventures are her hallucinations, so she just hallucinated the dog. It was just her living out her life. She's got a good imagination then in that case. Gone mad, yeah. They just left her there because she's insane. Any, any other thoughts on, on Duel? Oh, I do like the title, actually, in that it's it's nearly also dual, as in Alien and Predator, but it's dual, as in a fight. A little bit of wordplay. I used to get confused about, <laughs> did it mean that or the other? Yeah. And it was a two-part issue as well. Yes, true. Everything's double. But yeah, good comic. If you can find it, read it. I mean, AVP, the earlier days of the AVP comics were really popular. So Marvel is going to do that next year. I really hope they, they got some good plan. But re-release the old stuff too. New colors. Come on, let's do it. We say that every year and never, every year it doesn't happen. I think Dark Horse spoiled the shit out of us with that little hardback. Yeah, they did. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that kind of thing is down to not having the original inks or the original line art. I assume it's really hard to do recoloring without having that, that original black and white. I don't know. I think you could probably do it with digital technology, even if you haven't got the original. Yeah, but Dark Horse Digital, you know, was not good. I don't know. I don't know how significantly better it would be nowadays, but yeah. I've never liked the Dark Horse Digital recolors that they did. You had panel to panel, right, Aaron? Yes, I've got panel yeah, to panel. They had a good spread of, of that artwork in there. That was a good book, panel to panel, just focusing on like the cover art. I wish they would do that more with comics. Well, it wasn't even just the cover art, because there was like original pieces or expanded pieces. You know, there, there's, there's one of a Broken Tusk climbing that antenna that I think is an original piece for panel to panel, but obviously inspired by. It's obviously it happened in the story. I think that was a cover. That was one of the covers because it was like a six issue thing back in the day. I think it was four or five. But that that was when it did like about a quarter or a third of it was black and white before they started doing color in it. And so they did do the covers on the Dark Horse thing when it was a, like a monthly thing, I think it was, where they were doing this. I think that was one of them. I don't know. Somebody out there has probably collected them all still to this day. <laughs> I think I think we're good then. Yeah. 
It's a bit of history, AVP history, if you're interested in that. And I'm going to have to double check the dates of the issue of Deadliest of Species with the Bread Alien, in, just to see which came first. I'm fairly sure it was Duel came first. This is March, April 95. Deadliest of Species was... Oh, right. Deadliest of Species was 93 up to 95. It was over two years, yeah, and it, concurrently with this. I feel like... The duel came out before the Predalien issues of Deadliest of Species, I think. I'm sure I had to look this up for a different article that I wrote with a year or two ago, but I'm going to have to double check now because that's going to piss me off <laughs> not knowing. Uh, so uh, check the show notes for this or, the, or the, the post that this one goes up with. Adam, do you want to close us off? Sure. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you have the time and you enjoy our podcast, we always appreciate a rating on any of the podcasting platforms or like on YouTube. It really helps us out. You can find us on our website, avpgalaxy.net, where we have all sorts of good stuff like discussion message boards, if you remember those, if you want to communicate with other fans, as well as interviews, editorials, and uh, resources on the wider franchise. So be sure to check us out there. Uh, We are also on all the major socials, Facebook, X, Instagram, and Threads. Still getting used to all those. And if you'd like to support what we do at AVP Galaxy, check out our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash AVP Galaxy. And to all our current patrons uh, and supporters, we very much, again, appreciate your support. Launching that this year was a big thing for us, and the support we've gotten has, has been humbling. And so, again, we really appreciate that. Indeed. You know, if anybody wants to reach out, you can email us at podcast at avpgalaxy.net. We do love to hear, obviously, feedback or thoughts or uh, any follow-ups on what we talk about in here. We very much appreciate it. We very much enjoy it. And we enjoy interacting. We enjoy interacting with everybody, whether that's on the posts on the social media that you see this podcast on or on the forum where we, you know, we post about the episodes on the forum as well. So feel free to get in touch. We love talking to um, the listeners out there and anybody who has anything to say or corrections to provide if somebody wants to save me the hassle of uh, looking up the deadliest of species thing. By all means, email us and, and let us know. And we like to read them out on, on other podcasts, uh, on other episodes. So, yeah. You can follow me personally on Twitter at, sorry, on X at underscore Corporal Hicks. If you'd like to follow me personally, it's at RidgeTop21 on both X and Instagram. Eric's still not in the social media game. No, but I'm I'm recording stuff on my YouTube thing. Oh, okay. Okay, so he'll have an announcement next time. I'm also working on a new uh, video. Uh, as of today, I've just about finished uh, my first pass on the audio. I would hope this episode's either out after or just about when I'm dropping the new video and the new article. So keep an eye on the YouTube channel or avpgalaxy.net for the written version of that. Things are being worked on. I know you're working on another thing as well that I'm helping you out with. Well, what I asked you about yesterday. Yes. And I have a few articles that are, are also... I love how you said that and Aaron like, what? I'm, I'm like, what, what's he doing? Oh, uh, but yes. Yeah. So we, we got some good things coming next year. Again, it'll be a big year. But we hope everyone has a, a great holiday season and a great New Year's. We'll see you in the next year. Indeed. Thank you, everybody, for listening or watching. This has been Corporal Hicks. Rich Tom. Xenomorphine. Seeing whose people show up first. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was just I was I was just gonna do the AVPR thing there, but yeah. We'll see if the predators or the clonial marines show up first. Happy New Year, happy holidays, everybody, and uh, we'll see you in 2024.